Hello, this is Jan Scruggs, and I am here today with Sharon Dean. And let me tell you about Sharon Dean. Sharon Dean used to work for the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund, and I was the chief executive officer there for about 34 years. And uh, she was highly talented and uh, actually has a master's degree in history, also very much involved in interior design. She helped rebuild uh, the Pentagon and, and uh, other structures that were hurt during 9-11. But uh, she has a lot of creative skills, uh, putting together curriculum guides, things of that nature. Uh, actually born in, in Germany, uh, is an American citizen, but her father was uh, uh, in the U.S. Army and she was born in Stuttgart, uh, Germany, a very pleasant, lovely town. And uh, what I'm going to do now is let Sharon talk a little bit and our little tweet that uh, get together. And, and she can tell you the story of her life, including the, the reason she was born in Germany and what happened to her father. Go ahead. Jan, I so appreciate you asking me. I'm a gold star daughter, and it's very meaningful to uh, share my story, uh, which is my father's story, which has become my own. So I appreciate you inviting me to share that with you today. My father, Lieutenant Colonel William Lawrence Dean, was a career U.S. Army officer and a member of the 82nd Airborne Division who served in Vietnam two times. The first time was in 1968-69, which was the height of the war, and the second and last time in 1972 to 73. Unfortunately, he and five others were shot down by a land-to-air missile in the tail end of a UH-1H, which is otherwise known as a Huey helicopter, over Quang Tri, and he was declared missing in action on January 8, 1973, which was only a few weeks before the Paris peace treaties. I was only eight years old at the time, and the youngest of my three siblings have an older sister and an older brother. And we received that dreaded news while we were living in Wiesbaden, Germany, where my German-born mother grew up after World War II. And my mother and father had met in Germany during the mid-50s while my father was stationed there. So it's uh, interesting that uh, Later on, as we moved around, we, we lived in Germany, we lived in the Panama Canal Zone, uh, of course, also in Fayetteville, where my, my father uh, received his um, training in, in the 82nd Airborne Division. And uh, so when it came to him to serve his second time in Vietnam, my mother and father decided it would be best for us to be near my mother's family. And so we lived in the Wiesbaden area where my mother grew up and not too far from my Oma and Opa. And uh, so that was, that was a comfort. Uh, but around Christmas time in 1972, my father came home for his last Christmas with us. And uh, it was only a few days afterwards, he returned back to Vietnam and he was, um, shot down uh, with these other officers 
And uh, we really didn't get much news, to be honest. Um, we were told that there was a possibility that he could come back home, that he might be a prisoner of war and that, that he could be found. Uh, but they were all declared missing in action. And the only news that we had was that uh, four men were sighted coming off the helicopter because the helicopter, when it was shot down, actually kind of crash landed between the land and the Thachan River uh, near Quantri City. And uh, so there were some workers out in the rice field that had said that they'd seen these four men come out of the helicopter, but they weren't sure about the other two. So later on, it turned out that years and years later that the pilot and co-pilot were actually discovered um, during the repatriation process. And one of them was buried about three miles from the crash site in a uh, Vietnamese cemetery, which was kind of unusual. And then the other uh, co-pilot was found uh, when they had dug 30 feet below, because that, I don't know how much everybody knows about over time, soil and all the erosion, all that, you know, wind and all that uh, really increased the height of where the crash site was. So it was 30 feet below uh, wow. where they found some artifacts uh, related to the different uh, men, the soldiers that had uh, died in this plane crash. So honestly, it even today, it can be a little hard talking about this. Um, it's amazing after, you know, 40 some years that uh, something like this can have such an impact. But I remember it was a rainy, gloomy day in Wiesbaden. And that's when an army officer came uh, to our apartment because we were renting an apartment uh, not far from where my Oma uh, and Opa lived in uh, Landstrasse. And it was only about a week after my father had been home from Christmas. And uh, so it was it was devastating. Um, but I remember my mother had a bad feeling actually before she found out. So it was really not a surprise. But when you hear it, it's still a, it's, it's it's surreal. And so it was hard to believe. And I remember seeing the army officer pull up from my bedroom window, pull up to the parking lot of our apartment building and then heard that dreaded knock at the door. And that's a day that my family and I will never, ever forget. I mean, it changed our lives forever. And uh, so we all handled the hurt and unbelief in different ways because we're all different individuals. Like I said, I have my mother and my older sister and older brother. and. Um, Really, what helped me later on in life was a strong belief in God's providential hand and his amazing faithfulness through all the years. So as I'd mentioned earlier, my, the army had told us that there was a possibility that my father could come home by the end of the war, but it never happened. We kept hoping and praying for more information. You know, possibly would there be a live sighting uh, maybe he was now a prisoner of a war. So we kept hoping in our hearts uh, that that would change. And so 
my mother decided that we should move from Germany back to the States. So in, I think it was the end of 1973, beginning of 74, we settled back in the home we owned during the 1960s to the Virginia area, Kings Park West in Virginia, Fairfax, Virginia. And that was a home that we had kept and rented out actually while we were in um, Panama for three years before my, my dad went on this last tour of Vietnam. My father was second in command at the uh, Fort Amador in the Panama Canal Zone area. And those, I have to tell you, I look back at those times still to this day with uh, just wonderful memories and times that we spent as a family. They're, they're just so precious. And sometimes I desperately want to go back in time. Uh, and and I can do that with my my good memories. But so we moved back to Virginia, and we actually got involved in the National League of POW and MIA families, and also the No Greater Love Foundation. And so those are two organizations that really supported us and kept our hope alive in, in hopefully getting answers. So during the mid seventies, my family actually became sort of the poster family, I wanna say, yeah. for no greater love. We would be the family they would always ask to be in local parades and events to keep the topic at the forefront and not forgotten yeah. uh, by the public. So we actually met a lot of famous celebrities. I have pictures with Arthur Ashe and Hank Aaron, Johnny Bench. Uh, we met with a lot of well-known, politicians and even presidents and first ladies, Mrs. Ford. And they all lent their name and their time to that endeavor of not being forgotten. And so I'm grateful to them uh, for that. But there came a time when we had, our family had to move on. And uh, because we weren't getting any answers, there it was pretty much silence as far as any more news about dad. And so we moved to Florida and my father actually was born in Orlando, Florida. And we moved to Melbourne, Florida, which isn't too far. It's about 45 minutes uh, east of Orlando. And I finished my high school there and I received my degree in interior design at Florida State University. But I can remember during my sophomore year of high school, mom and I received a medal in honor of my father's sacrifice, um, being a Florida boy, from Senator Bill Nelson at Patrick Air Force Base in Cocoa, Florida. And I can remember I didn't make a I didn't make a big announcement to my high school friends. I was actually popular in high school, but I it was kind of amazing how many people knew, heard about it uh, the next day when I went to, to school. So um, I actually had a very difficult time in my early years, even through high school, talking about, you know, the situation with my father. A lot of people would ask, well, you know, what did your father do? Or, you know, and sometimes I would just say, well, he's dead. And that would end the conversation. Or sometimes I would get more information. Um, you know, that he was in the war and it really, you know, some people really didn't know how to respond or react. So I really had to be in a strong position uh, when I shared as much as I did. And most of the time I chose not to because I just, I didn't want people's 
pity. Um, and I didn't want them to feel awkward because of, you know, the situation. So that was, that was interesting. Um, and I have a different perspective on that now, but, and I mentioned I went on, I received my degree from Florida state and that was in Tallahassee in my first year of college. Uh, my family and I were invited by governor Bob Graham to attend a new memorial dedication to the men and women from Florida that served and sacrificed in Vietnam. Um, again, my, my father was born in Orlando, so his name is etched on that memorial. And it was a tremendous honor to participate in that event. But I can say for more than 25 years now, my, my mother, sister, and I, brother and I, live with this ambiguous loss of my father. And I say ambiguous because you can't really wrap your arms around it, so to speak. There's no hard evidence of his death or no way to bring us closure. And that's how we lived for 25 years until 1998. And that's when the army officially contacted us about finding some of my father's remains, which actually only turned out to be a couple of teeth. Teeth. Yeah, teeth do not disintegrate. No, and they, they're clearly identified. They're like fingerprints um, mm. because we all have, you know, we all have a different dental work. And so they were clearly identified by the Army dental records. My, my father had a, a gold uh, crown. So it, it's very unique to each of us you know, when it comes to dental work. So um, we couldn't argue with it. It was, it was pretty clear about the teeth. Um, of course, we were hoping we'd have more remains, but uh, we were thankful for at least something. And that was uh, discovered at that crash site that I was talking about earlier uh, near the Thatchon River, where they had to dig 30 feet down. And they, uh, they found different things like coins and uh, dog, a dog tag, I think, for the co-pilot and flight suit and disintegrated and things like that. So um, finally, we, we had some news after you know, almost 27 years. And so this was difficult, but I have to say it was an answer to prayer um, because we'd waited so long, so very long. And so finally in April of 2000, which is 21 years this month, we entered those remains at Arlington Cemetery after a beautiful ceremony at Fort Myers Chapel. My father actually has two grave sites uh, in what we know as Section 60, uh, one with his teeth and his full uniform. And then the other is a grave site, with the bones of four of the other soldiers that were declared missing along with him. At that time, they could not perform the DNA test that they, they do now. Wow. So they, they, made, they made a mass grave with those bones and all four of the the men's names are on that, that grave site. And of course, my father's name is etched on the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, and it's on panel W1, line 109. And that's just so very meaningful to me. Well, there's a time to mourn and a time to heal. So now is the time for Sharon and your family to heal. But you've been through a lot. And uh, it's just uh, such a fascinating and sad story, but you know, 
you, people need to hear this. This is what happens sometimes when people go off to war. Uh, they don't come back. They don't come back alive, or they come back very changed. Most of them come right. back to become great citizens, like your father would have probably been a brigadier general or four-star general. But uh, he's obviously a, a very talented person. Now, Sharon, you you got interested in history and ultimately got a master's degree. Was it the, 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 your connection to the Vietnam War and your dad that kind of led you in this direction? Right. Well, I'll say that soon after college, I actually ended up moving to Virginia because I could find a good job in this area hmm. compared to down in Florida. And so over the years, I worked at several architecture and de design firms that led to design projects across the globe. Uh, many of my projects included government buildings, financial institutions, healthcare facilities, fitness centers, libraries, countless office spaces. Uh, a lot of them, you know, in the DC area, but uh, like I said, I've done work all over, but, uh, and I have to say, I, my final job in the architecture field before I went on to get my master's in in history, was working as a project manager on the Pentagon renovation project after 9-11. I had the privilege and honor to help with the renovation of several wedges and special spaces, spaces for all the military branches at the Pentagon, including the Army. And that meant so much to me because my father had worked at the Pentagon in the 1960s. And I have to be honest, uh, I thought about him often as I walked those long corridors of the Pentagon. I found it actually comforting uh, when, I, when I did do that. Uh, and I also knew the highest ranking officer who died on 9-11, Lieutenant General Timothy Maud. And so I saw this as a role, this role as a way to use my God-given skills and experiences in a meaningful way to contribute to their memory and to give back to my own country. But little did I know at that time, I would be back almost 10 years later at the Pentagon in a totally different capacity. Mm -hmm. And uh, in order to really understand how things came together, I need to step back a few years. While I was working on the Pentagon renovation in, in 2006, I decided to leave and pursue my master's degree in history at George Mason University. And as a graduate student, I worked at the Smithsonian's National Postal Museum in DC. And I also interned at the Charlotte Museum of History in North Carolina. And after my completing my degree, I continued to work as a contractor for the Smithsonian. But amazingly enough, one day, my sister told me about VVMF, uh, VVMF's plan to build the education center. And she thought, you ought to get in touch with that. <laughs> And I, and I thought about it, and it's really funny because that same night I had a dream about it. And so the very next morning, like, I'm calling, I'm getting in touch with VVMF. And so I did that, and I told them about my background, my experience, my passion, uh, of course, my personal connection, uh, having, a, you know, that my father's name's on the wall and being a Gold Star daughter. And so it wasn't long before I received a call from the CEO at the time. And they offered me a job as a contractor. And so over three years, I went from contractor to director of education. 
And uh, of course, I had the privilege and honor to to work with you, Jan, and so many other colleagues on the Education Center at the Wall and, and education programs. But then I found myself recruited by the Department of Defense's Vietnam War Commemoration, where I worked for four years in a dual role as an education specialist and the exhibit project manager for the only award-winning permanent exhibit in the Pentagon called yeah. the Vietnam War. And you've seen that, Jan. And Amazing. Yeah, very good job, by the way. <laughs> thanks. Um, I, yes, I, I think so. <clears throat> we had about a team of 20 of us, and uh, it was quite an honor to, to work on that. Well, Sharon, we're going to have to close out this exciting podcast. And you've taught us a lot about how a person heals and recovers and uh, the religious element of healing uh, is always worth talking about and uh, works for many people. We want to thank you. We want to recognize your father. He'll always be in our hearts and, uh, and in the Arlington National Cemetery, as long as the country exists. So, but remember, there's sort of a, a happy ending to his unfortunate death, which is your and your family's legacy of carrying on and the things you've done in your career, you're working now with the Holocaust Museum in Washington, that important uh, place where lessons are learned. So we thank you so much. And uh, yep. we will thank you, you but... have the last word. All right. Well, I did want to say a little something more about the, the Holocaust and just the connection. Um, so I went in 2019, I took on my current project manager position at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. And there I oversee a, oversee a team of cataloging all the artifacts and, and putting them online. And I get to use my German language. I am bilingual. So thanks to mom teaching us from an early age. And I wanted to tell you about my different jobs because I can see how God has used my lifelong experiences, the joys and pains, my skills in education, history, design, and my strong faith in him to make a way for me to come full circle. Uh, because there's no way I could have worked at the Pentagon or the VVMF or the commemoration and even now at the Holocaust because it would have been too much to bear, too hard emotionally. Because um, they're, they're very hard topics, subjects, Vietnam, World War II. Mm. And uh, it's by his grace, his mercy, his love um, and forgiveness that my past doesn't have a stronghold in my life today. And um, I have to, you know, be candid that, uh, you know, it was a hard road. It's, it's hard um, because I find that grieving the loss of a loved one is a very individual process. And it looks different for each person, you know, for different reasons. For me, I had to work through the issue of abandonment because I was very young when my father was declared missing in action. And um, my father left me behind. I mean, it was not his, his own will or of his own accord, but I still had to forgive him and God for, for being left behind, so to speak. It took me a long time, but I came to accept that my earthly father was, is gone. And um, no, but I have his, he lives in my heart, in my memory. And I'm thankful that I have those to draw from. 
And um, my Heavenly Father helps me every new day. You know, it took some years of feeling the hurt, dealing with the hurt and healing from the hurt. It was incredibly hard. Uh, but I got there with the help of family, friends, counseling, and my church family. And, um, you know, in scripture, it says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up the wounds. That's from Psalm 147.3. And another one is Psalm 68.5, which is very meaningful to me, is uh, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widow, is God in his holy dwelling. And, you know, so I encourage each person to take the time they need to heal, to grieve, to mourn, but also to share their feelings with family members or someone you trust so you can be real and honest about your emotions and get a network of, of support during the grieving process. And that might even mean doing some counseling, but I strongly, strongly encourage turning to God for strength and peace and comfort because he's the only one who's steadfast and will be a show you unconditional love through it all. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for, again, family and friends. And, um, you know, my mother has been amazing. I mean, she's going on 86. Her birthday's July 4th. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be uh, 87. And uh, she's just an amazing woman with all that she's been through. World War II, Vietnam coming over here by herself, you know, it's just yeah. amazing. Impressive. Well, you've yeah. certainly impressed us. We appreciate you reading from memory a couple of uh, verses from the book of Psalms. Uh, we wish you the best and thank you for helping other people. Thank you. Thank you for asking me again. It's been a privilege and honor to do so. And thank you, Jan, for your service and for all you did to make the Vietnam Veterans Memorial a reality and a sacred place for service members and family like mine and friends to come pay honor to men and women who served and sacrificed for the country. It's 